All right, two choices, chocolate or peanut butter? Who wants chocolate? Who wants peanut butter? Woodstock is about pleasing everybody. So we are giving you both John Scalzi and Patrick Rothfuss. Hello, Cleveland! <laughs> All right, uh, my name is John Scalzi, and this is the fair and beauteous Patrick Rothfuss. Damn thing is really tall. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of background here. As many of you know, I have a, a new book out called Red Shirts. And, uh, and uh, when I've been on tour, one of the things that I've been doing is a little skit that I've involved various people in. I roped in Paul when I was in Philadelphia. I roped in uh, Will when I was in Burbank, Joe Hill in uh, Boston. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do this skit for you right now. Basically what you need to know to enjoy this, even if you have not read the book, is simply this, that the universal union in this is exactly the equivalent to the United Federation of Planets. You got that? Okay, just real quick, how many of you actually have read the book? I'm gonna let you all in a little secret that even Patrick Rothfuss doesn't know, uh, which is the character of Jenkins in the book looks like Pat. <laughs> Now I've got to read it again. <laughs> <laughs> so with that as our lead, this is called To Sue the World. Patrick, begin. Please state your name and occupation. I am Brandon Smith, a partner at the law firm of Koenig, Nichols, and Monteblan. I specialize in employment and workplace law. And what is it that you are planning to do? I am filing a class action suit against the space fleet of the Universal Union on behalf of the crews of its ships. Specifically, I am alleging that the Universal Union not only allows gross and egregious violations of basic workplace safety laws and regulations, it actually encourages them, leading to the deaths, and possibly even worse, the almost horribly creative injuries of its junior officers and crews. These are bold allegations, sir. Are they? Let me ask you, do you know how often a junior officer or crew member is maimed and or killed in the service of the Universal Union? Two times a day? Three? Five? Every seven seconds. <laughs> Every seven seconds? Yes, think about that. Right now, as we are speaking, some crew member of some Universal Union spaceship is being chewed upon by a space badger. And now one is sneezing herself into a coma by being exposed to alien pollen. And now one is falling down an open shaft on an engineering deck into the antimatter engines. This is troubling. It's a festival of death. <laughs> and now one is having its brain sucked out by the evil robots of Antari 7. What does a robot need with a human brain, I ask you? And who was the idiot who programmed them to be evil? <laughs> as horrible as these things are, it can be argued that life in space fleet is inherently dangerous. It works in space. It goes to strange new worlds and all that. 
all the more reason for basic workplace safety, don't you think? Take these strange new worlds that you speak of. The space fleet logs an away team visit to a new class C planet once a day. Once a day. And to land on that strange new world, what sort of specialized protective protocol does an away team member undergo? None. He heads down wearing a protective layer of breathable polycotton blends. It would be as if, to land on the moon, Neil Armstrong wore a polo shirt and cockies. To be fair, the moon is an airless world, and Neil Armstrong would have had his lungs sucked out through his trachea. Yes, and when I visit Ecuador, I go and get a shot so I don't get infected by a malaria-carrying mosquito. My point is that Space Fleet takes fewer precautions to visit an entire new planet filled with unknown microbes and parasitic flatworms than I take when I go on a parasailing vacation. And you don't actually need to leave the ship to be in danger. Do you know what the second leading cause of serious burns on a Universal Union Space Fleet ship is? Cooking bacon naked? <laughs> <laughs> Exploding instrument panels. <laughs> Ship hit by a hostile missile, instrument panel explodes. Rough ride through a proton nebula, instrument panel explodes. Trying to make tea in a Universal Union Space Fleet microwave, instrument panel explodes. <laughs> when was the last time your microwave at home exploded into a shower of sparks? Do you fear losing a finger when you make popcorn in it? No! because at home, someone designed your microwave not to randomly erupt into shrapnel. <laughs> I know, building a spaceship is expensive, but even the lowest bidder should be able to afford fuses. Out of curiosity, what's the number one cause of serious burns on the Universal Space she Fleet ship? Oh, that would be the Space Fleet's annual amateur Hawaiian fire dancing competition. <laughs> that is entirely opt-in and voluntary, and we are not suing over that. I got it. We also have troubling accounts of labor law violations within the Space Fleet. There is one ship, I will not mention which one, until the suit is formally filed, where we have credible reports that the captain is allowing a child, barely post-pubescent, <laughs> to be part of his bridge crew! <laughs> Honestly, how many laws are you violating there? You're violating almost every single child labor law we have on the books, of course. But beyond that, what sort of idiot trusts a 13-year-old with a multi-billion dollar spaceship? That kid can't even get a learner's permit to drive a car! <laughs> And of course, while that kid is careening through the galaxy, sideswiping asteroids or whatever, every other crew member of the crew is at his mercy.
These could be the actions of a rogue, insane starship commander, however. That's my point. It's not. Time after time, ship after ship, we're seeing a distinct pattern of neglect of simple, basic workplace safety. Seatbelts! Invented in the 19th century, you will not find a single one anywhere in space fleet. And they will tell you, well, since we invented the internal restraint force field, we don't need these anymore. But you know what? When your spaceship hits a dwarf planet because a distracted 13-year-old is piloting and then his instrument panel explodes, causing a failure in the internal restraint force field, you're going to wish you had a friggin' seatbelt. Yeah. It's a compelling argument. That's what we're going to tell the judge, yes. And what will you be suing for? We want nothing more than a just and adequate sum for the pain and suffering of these long-endangered crew members and care for their unfortunate widowed spouses and orphans. And how much would that be? Thirty-seven quadrillion dollars. <laughs> that, that seems like a lot. It's no more than what is fair. I do feel compelled to note that the entire Universal Union GDP is only 1.4 quadrillion dollars. I'm sorry, I don't see your point. My point is that you're asking for 26 times the worth of an entire galactic culture in compensation for exploding instrument panels. It's not just exploding instrument panels. Let's not forget the evil robots. Even with the evil robots, it seems like quite a lot. Look, it's an opening number. What we're hoping is that it will get the Universal Union's attention and that it will settle out of court for a reasonable alternative. If 37 quadrillion is your definition of fair, what is your definition of a reasonable alternative? We would like a planet. <laughs> a planet? Yes. A whole planet? Yes! A planet where the shell-shocked victim of the Universal Union's campaign of neglect and abuse and their families can spend their remaining years in comfort and in quiet, bucolic surroundings. And you need a whole planet for that. It's a large class action suit! And the firm will need 40% for its representation, which in this case would come to a couple of continents. And what would your law firm do with a couple of continents? Storage? Our archives are quite extensive. All of this implies that you have selected a planet that you wish to have. We do. It's a planet called Cygnus 17. That sounds familiar. It was in the news recently. Uh, hold on. Cygnus 17, a.k.a. the death planet of hell? We are not comfortable with that nickname. But yes. The planet where 30,000 colonists were recently consumed alive by ravenous man-sized bats? All those bats got sick and died from eating humans, so they're not a problem anymore. There's still the issue of the constant earthquakes. Yes. And the lava flows. Yes. And the moon, if I remember correctly, is in an unstable orbit, spiraling down toward the planet and cracking as it does so, dropping city-sized meteorites onto the surface of oh, the planet. Okay, look, just look. 
here's something I want to say about that. That moon is not cracking as much as people say it is. <laughs> Thanks, Romney. <laughs> <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> and the, the fact that the... I, I got one my own here. <laughs> you threw me, you went off script. Uh, and the fact that the scientists estimate that the star is orbiting is likely to go supernova at any time, bathing the planet in flesh-searing gamma rays before the exploding surface of the star vaporizes everything in the solar system. I am not saying it is not a fixer-upper. But fixing it up will be exactly the sort of constructive, rehabilitative work that will help these shell-shocked crew members, abused by the Universal Union, get back on their feet and lead happy, productive lives. That seems like a lot of work. They won't have to do it alone. We have recently got a very good deal on some obsolete but still useful robots to assist and support our clients as they start their new world. Let me guess, you got these from Antares 7. That's right. There's a switch on the back that turns them from brain-harvesting cyborg killers to helpful and compliant android servants. There is nothing that could possibly go wrong with this plan. Simply nothing at all. Brandon Smith, good luck to you in your suit. Thank you. <laughs>